0: Good morning, church family. How's everybody doing? Good. My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. But in this morning's passage in God's word that we are getting to, watch this, watch this, pastor trick. In this morning's passage, we find a curtain torn, creating an opening, creating access. What do ripped curtains have to do with us this morning Uh, We're going to see what God has to teach us this morning about access, access gained through this open curtain. So grab your Bible and open, thanks for humoring me with that pastor trick. (laughs) Grab your Bible and open to Mark 15, verse 37, and I'm going to take this thing off right now. It's really actually kind of annoying and heavy. Mark 15, verse 37. As you get there, you uh, may know that we are in a series of messages we're calling God-Man because we are studying the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, the God-Man, fully God, fully human. At the same time, we've been studying through the book of Mark, uh, I believe, you probably don't even want to know, I think we've already had 42 Sundays in, in Mark and we've got a couple of more. And uh, our study through the Gospel of Mark is going to end. Oh, it's like, is this like giving away the end? It's going to end with the empty tomb on Easter morning. Punch! Now you know the punchline. Mark 15, verse 37. Uh, and before, sorry, before these verses, last Sunday, we, we studied uh, a really difficult passage. We, disco- we discovered in last week's passage, of course, the um, the crucifixion, the execution of Jesus. And prior to that, he had been flogged and beaten and mocked and then crucified, nailed to a cross. And here we are in verse 37. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the very next verse tells us, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What is this all about? What is the significance of a torn curtain? This is so significant, it's worth us considering this morning. It's worth us investigating. And even if you felt like you've, you've looked at this before, it's worth us considering the glorious good news from the, that comes about uh, symbolically with the symbolism of this ripped curtain. Um, in in Jesus' day and prior to Jesus' day, the temple in Jerusalem really represented to God's people God's dwelling place. They, they built the temple to honor God and, and really to be God's house and to represent God's presence in Jerusalem with his people. And so they built the temple, and then we have a, uh, I think we have a picture now of this is a model. Uh, someone built, of the inside of the temple. And what you're looking at, the room in the foreground, would be called the, the holy place. And, uh, and uh, the priests would enter into the holy place, and there was uh, different utensils and, and, and stands and, and things that would help them in their sacrifices to God. And so prior to Jesus' ministry, this is the way God, People went to God to make amends, to make things right, to make atonement for their sins. They would bring sacrifices and have animals killed as a sacrifice offering to God to make... A, this is, it's, it's, it feels a little odd to us. We talked about this last week, too, in the video, if you were here. You know, we don't relate to this particular practice, but the idea was is to offer up this animal sacrifice uh, to make atones, to make amends, to seek forgiveness... For our sins. And it was the priest, it was, it was the professional religious people that would take these sacrifices to the temple on behalf of the people. So you and I, as, as just regular followers of God, would not really be able to fully even offer the sacrifice to ask for forgiveness or to make amends for our sin without the help of a priest. And then you see the curtain kind of in the background of that room. That, that's the, the foreground room is the holy place. And then you see a curtain. And of course, if this was to scale, it would just be massive. I, I don't have the height off the top of my head. But the curtain was, was massive and tall. And uh, what's behind the curtain? Well, you would go through the... Uh, you wouldn't go. The, holy pr- the, ho- the high priest only was allowed not just any of the priests, the high priest could go through the curtain into what was called the most holy place or the holy of holies. And and not only was it only the high priest that could go there, but even the high priest could only go there once a year because it was symbolic of God's very presence, like the center of of God's presence, the, the, the holy of holies. This incredible uh, r- symbolic God's presence. And so there were ground rules for approaching God with appropriate respect and for, and for uh, honoring him and not being flippant about the way that we approach God. And so only the high priest could go through the curtain once a year. Why was access, why was access to, the, to the Holy of Holies so limited? And, and why w- were sacrifices necessary in the first place. Well, what are we constantly reminded? What does the Bible constantly remind us about ourselves? The screen has it, Romans um, 3.23, for all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't meet God's standards. There's nothing we can do on our own to match up, to earn God's love, to earn our salvation. Um, And so, because of our sin, because we've broken relationship with God, Because we we, we rebel against God, our our sin has limited our access to God, in a sense. It impedes our relationship with God. Our statement of faith, what our church holds true, what our church believes, says this, that human beings are sinners by nature and by choice, and, and, and therefore we are alienated from God and under his wrath. So as a result of our sin, we are alienated from God. We have broken the relationship that we have with God. So let's get back to our passage. Hopefully you've still got your Bibles open there in in your lap and, and you're looking there at verse 38 and it says, this curtain in the temple was torn in two. Well, what does that mean? Well, here's a helpful way. A lot of times as we study our Bibles, it's so important over your life as a Christian to study the entire Bible. I can't urge you enough to have a practice of your own, spending time each day if possible, reading your Bible. There's an app on my phone that helps me and gives me a plan of how to read through the Bible. And it's supposed to take a year, but it's okay if it takes three. Your goal should, could be every day, but don't kick yourself too hard when you miss a day. Just get back at it. But as we study our Bibles and we read the entire Bible, God sometimes, not sometimes, God often speaks to us, I think, interprets his own word for us as we learn from elsewhere in the scriptures. So on the screen is some verses from Hebrews chapter 10. From Hebrews chapter 10, here's a couple of verses um, for us that I think will help us with what's going on with this curtain. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence... Do we have that on the screen? Oh, sorry. uh, Hebrews 10, there we go, thank you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, how did we have confidence to enter the holy place? By the blood of Jesus, it says in Hebrews. So it's through Christ's sacrificial death on the cross on our behalf, Jesus paid the penalty for the sin that, that you and that penalty that we deserve. And by going to the cross by shedding his blood instead of animal sacrifices that were imperfect and didn't last and a human being priest had to take the sacrifices for us. Instead, Jesus willingly went to the cross, shed his blood, became the once and for all sacrifice. No more sacrifices needed because Jesus was the the be all and end all. Of sacrifices on our behalf, paying the penalty that our sin deserves. So therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, how do we have confidence to enter? By the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that's been opened for us through the curtain. This symbolism of the, of the temple's curtain being r- ripped and torn open and, and, and this place that had been restricted, the Holy of Holies, where access had been restricted and limited and we were sort of prevented and we were, we were not able to enjoy fully God's presence because of our sin. Now this, this curtain has symbolically been to- opened. Opened. Verse 20 there on the screen, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, who's that great high priest? Jesus. Now, not us having to take our sacrifices and give them to someone else and the priest takes it on our behalf. Now, because of Jesus, the great high priest, verse 22 says, let us draw near to God. where access to God had been restricted to certain people at certain times, or where we needed someone else to represent us to God, now Jesus has opened the way directly. He has opened access to God the Father. He has opened access for you and me to be directly in relationship with God. Look back in your Bibles at Mark fifteen thirty-eight. How does it What does it tell us about how the curtain was torn? Top to bottom. Top to bottom. I I really think that this is this is to show how clearly that this was an act of God. This massive, tall, tall curtain ripped from top to bottom. This was just to make it so obvious that it was God at work, not some accident, not a thread got loose, not me and down here at the bottom tugging on the curtain, but God opening a way, God taking action. Even though our sin impedes our relationship with God, even though it should block our access, God made a way. He opened the curtain, symbolic for you and I this morning that through Jesus... Through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have access to God the Father. Yeah. I just was letting that sink in. Through Jesus, we have access to the mighty God creator of the universe, heavenly Father, one true God. Ephesians 2.18 is on the screen. It tells us that for through Jesus, we both, the both here refers to Jews and Gentiles, which is great news for most of us in this room because the Jews were God's people. But most of us are non-Jews, Gentiles. Ephesians 2.18 tells us that through Jesus, we both, we all, Jews and Gentiles, have access to the Father, by one spirit. Let's go back to the passage. Fingers back in the text. Hopefully you got your Bible open in front of you still there. Mark chapter 15, verse 39. And when the centurion, this soldier that was there at the crucifixion, when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how Jesus died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Here's another thing where I think it'd just be easy for us to overlook, okay? We've been 42 sermons in Mark, 42 sermons in a series that we've called The God-Man. So I'm hoping if anything has been drilled home, it's that Jesus is the God-Man, right? So sitting here today in 2018, it might be easy for us to go, uh, about the soldier's words, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the son of God, but, but here's what's going on here. This is what's, I think, worth a little closer look. Um, if you think back 42 sermons, <laughs> which you have no idea what was said 42 sermons ago, you're not sure what was said last week's sermon. Of course, neither am I sure what was said in last week's sermon. If we turned all the way back to the beginning of Mark, the gospel of Mark, and we read chapter 1, verse 1. The gospel writer, Mark, wrote to us in chapter 1, verse 1, and declared that this book of the Bible was the story about who? Anybody go cheat? What does it say in verse 1.1? Chapter 1, verse 1. Jesus Christ, the who? The Son of God. From the beginning of his story, writing the gospel of Mark, the author, Mark, told us from the beginning, he declared that the story he was about to tell about the life and ministry of Jesus was the story of Jesus, the Son of God. And here, in chapter 15, verse 39, the centurion proclaims this profound truth. Surely, this man was the Son of God. And you know what? This soldier, this random, nameless soldier, Soldier is the first human in 15 plus chapters to declare that truth. What Mark said he was out to show us from the beginning has not yet been understood or stated by anyone in the story until at the cross, watching how he died, the centurion proclaims this profound truth that Jesus was the Son of God. And earlier in our study of Mark in chapter 8, Jesus asks his disciples, and he asks you and I too, his followers, his disciples, today in 2018, back in chapter 8, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And he hadn't gotten this answer until this soldier's words in, in chapter 15, you are the son of God the God-man, the promised rescuer, God himself come to save us. So just like those that got to enjoy being there for Jesus' earthly journey, you and I too face the question, who do you say that I am? Verse 40. Some women were watching from a distance among them were Mary Magdalene Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph wait what Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph and Salome Verse 41, in Galilee, these women had followed Jesus and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. You know what's encouraging about these verses? I think we need to be reminded that followers of Jesus in in God's word include men, include women, include Jews, include Gentiles. And therefore, it is good news because you and I, all people, can be followers of Jesus. Good news? Verse 42, verse 42. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead, so summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body To Joseph. Jesus, just to be clear, just to make sure, just to know that we are assured, just so that we can tell the story properly, Jesus was dead. He's not faking it. He's not unconscious. He's dead. It's a historical fact, and here in those verses we just read, the fact of his physical human death is being confirmed by people with no reason to lie. Verse 46, so, Jesus, so Joseph sorry, bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb and listened to the finality of verse 47. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus was laid. Seems very final, but we have hope for this verse on the screen is one of my favorite places to go in scripture. Romans 5 8 reminds us that God demonstrates how much he loves us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Necessary, necessary, willing sacrifice of the Son of God Himself on our behalf, going to the cross dying for us so that we could be made right with God, so that sinful you and I could be connected and friends with a holy and perfect God. That is the grace of God. This seemingly dark day, this seemingly dark day in history is God's great work of reconciling a people to himself. In doing so, God is offering in, in offering his son as a sacrifice, it is in Jesus willingly going to death, we are being offered the gift of life. And, and if and if eternal life with in the presence of God is too abstract for us to grasp, or too it's an unbelievable truth to experience. Eternity in the presence of God, eternal life. But Jesus came that we might have life now and forever. That our lives might be transformed and enriched and meaningful and purposeful. I don't say perfect. Followers of Jesus on this side of eternity, our lives are not perfect, are they? We experience pain and hurt and suffering and persecution, and yet we go through it with Jesus. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And we read our statement of faith earlier, our statement of faith, what we as a church believe. We read part of it earlier, and let's put that back up. Human beings are sinners by nature and by choice. And because we are sinners, we are alienated from God and under his wrath. But look how our statement of faith continues. Only through God. Sorry, back to that slide. I've faked you out. Only through God, God, only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ can we be rescued, reconciled, and renewed. So it's because of our sin that we are alienated from God, that our relationship with him is impeded, that our sin is what is what has, has mucked up our access to the Heavenly Father. And yet, what we've seen this morning Uh, symbolic with the curtain in the temple being torn open and a way being made for us into the holy of holies, symbolic of the fact that through Christ, by you and I being in relationship with Jesus, by surrendering our life to him, by entrusting ourselves to him, by realizing that we can't do it on our own, but we need God's help, we give our lives to Jesus, and through Jesus we have access to the heavenly Father. So, So what prevents you from enjoying the access to God the Father that Jesus provides? The torn curtain symbolizes the good news that God has made a way for sinful you and me to be in relationship with a holy and perfect God. Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and yep, in a couple weeks we'll get to celebrate. Raised again. And that gives us access to God and puts us in relationship with the creator of the universe. Perhaps for you, it is time to take a bold step of faith and trust your life to Jesus. Father God, we thank you so much for your great love for us. God, we thank you that you are not a distant God, not a God who stays far away. But God, we thank you that you come to us in the person of your son, Jesus. God, we thank you that you sent your son and that Jesus willingly offered his life so that we could receive life eternal and life abundant with you. And God, I pray for those in this room that as you are are working in in hearts, as you are speaking to us through your word in the Bible, God, I pray that uh, if there's anyone here who needs to to understand and to receive this good news. God, may they trust you. May they trust your son Jesus with their lives and and accept and receive access to you. God, would you help them to put their trust in you, their faith in you today? And God, I pray for all of us that we would recognize our sin, our need for you, and that you have made a way that you don't leave us stuck in our sin, but God, that you have sent your son, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And God, may we be like the soldier in, in our in our passage this morning who looks to the life and ministry of Jesus, who who witnesses what we have studied for weeks and weeks. And God, would we entrust ourselves to your son? recognizing him like the soldier did as the son of God. God, I pray that this would change our lives, whether we've been walking with Jesus for a long time or not. God, I pray that as we look to you now and are reminded that you are son of God, God himself, come to be with us. God, would that radically change the way we live? Would that change would that Truth Would that news be such good news to our hearts and minds that our lives would be transformed, that we would live in word and deed for you, and that your love would flow out of us to others around us? We thank you, God, for your work in our lives, for your presence with us, for speaking to us, for teaching us through your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen.